and uh, we'll read from verse 15. I'm going to be thinking this evening about uh, verse 27, but um, uh, we will read from uh, verse 15, page 1071 in the Church Bibles. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works, sorry, verse, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. And make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now, I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So let's pray now. Oh Lord God, thank you for this opportunity that we have now to consider your word. Lord, please may your people be encouraged. We pray for all those who are gathered here this evening and we also pray for any who may be listening online. Oh Lord, we pray, let all those who hear your word this evening, may each one, if they belong to you, may they be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. And any that don't yet know Christ, we pray that you'll draw to yourself. Please meet with us now and speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, I want this evening to speak about the gift of peace that Jesus has given to his people. Um, in sum, what I plan to say is this, that by his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the outpouring of his spirit, Jesus has provided peace Amongst many other things, Jesus has provided peace to his people. He's given the gift of his peace to us. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are at peace with God. And at the same time, they've been given the privilege of knowing the peace of God in their souls. So that we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be anxious. The Lord has given us his peace for us to know and to enjoy. But this verse also tells us that we have the responsibility to appropriate that peace for ourselves. It's been given to us. It's our right. But we need to enjoy that peace. And we need to not allow things to disturb the peace that we've been given. Let's just read that verse again, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, of course, there are many things that might lead us not to be peaceful. There are many things which could very easily disturb our peace and cause us to be anxious. Uh, many things that, could cork, that can, and for many people do cause, a great deal of stress and anxiety. For example, one thing would be relationship problems. If someone experiences a marriage breaking down or uh, a broken relationship with a parent or a broken relationship with a, a sibling or a broken relationship with their child. This can be an enormous source of stress uh, for that person. Or um, being ill-treated by others. If you feel that you are somebody has wronged you in some way. That can eat you up with anxiety and cause a, a huge amount of, of, of stress and anxiety. You go into some legal situation, maybe some conflict in the courts. Very, very difficult it can be to handle that. Or again, um, maybe a health issue. Maybe you've, you, you go to see the doctor and you tell the doctor that there's a that there's a lump come up or there's a cough that won't go away and you're, you're sent for tests and, and, and then something is found. Well, this can be, this can lead to all sorts of, of stress and anxiety. You wonder what's going to happen. You don't know if, you, if, you, if you're going to get seriously ill, you might die. And uh, that can be a, a source of great stress. Or um, financial difficulties. Uh, 
money gets short and you, 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 you can get very, very tempted to, to feel very worried, very anxious about that. Or bereavement. What a, what a cause of, of stress and anxiety and sorrow bereavement can be. Sometimes going on for years. Um, especially if the person who's died is young and, 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 uh, or is very close to you. Um, and then things like, and then regret also can be a source of great stress and anxiety, especially if there has been a bereavement. You think, oh, if only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. Too late. And then uh, one think of work, that can be a huge source of stress and anxiety for people. Um, We see the clouds of persecution starting to threaten. We think, well, what's going to happen to our freedoms in this country? Could I lose my job? Could I lose my? Could I? Could I be thrown into prison? So there are, the, there are all sorts of things which can cause uh, stress for us. Maybe worries about about war and uh, 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 many many things that can cause us stress. And probably there's other things as well that could be mentioned. Now. Of course, all the things that I've mentioned, there's nothing new about them. You know, if you'd have talked to somebody 100 years ago, what sort of things are you tempted to be worried about? Well, they'd probably come up with a list just like this, 2,000 years ago. In fact, actually, we've actually living quite easy in our age. You know, we, we might think, oh, life is really hard. But actually, you know, in comparison with many, with many with people, you know, we... Most of us, we've got food, we've got clothing, we've got homes to live in that are dry and warm. Um, we've actually lived without direct war for, for 70 years, nearly 80 years. Um, but there are these stresses, nevertheless, which, which do cause uh, us to be easily tempted to... to um, uh, to, to not know peace. But Jesus says to his disciples that he is giving them his peace. Well, how are we going to think about this verse? Well, I'd like to do so under two main headings. First of all, Jesus' gift of peace. And then secondly, our responsibility to appropriate this peace. So first of all, his gift of peace. Notice what he says there. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. So here is this peace that Jesus gives, he says. It's his peace, my peace, he says, I give you. It's not as the world gives. The world that the peace gives, sorry, the peace that the world gives is a peace that depends on things going right. Or depends on you maybe having an insurance policy, or it depends on you having good health, or depends on you having a, a decent bank balance. There's a sort of peace that the world can give if you've got certain cushions in place. But Jesus says, 
that he gives a peace that the world does not give. A peace that does not depend upon things in this world. A peace that stays with you whatever your circumstances. Or even a peace which defies your circumstances. Um, Paul talks, doesn't he, in Philippians about a peace that passes understanding. People, people say, why are you peaceful? They know your life. They can see your problems. They say, why are you rejoicing? Why are you smiling? Why are you calm? Because there is this supernatural peace. And that's what it's talking about. This is a supernatural peace. It's not something which comes from, from, from this world. It's something which comes, it's a spiritual peace that comes from God. It's the gift of God. Now, the context is, of course, for this, that Jesus is just about to go back to heaven. He's just about to die on the cross. This is the upper room discourse in John's Gospel. Jesus is just about to die on the cross. He's just about to be raised from the dead. Then he's going to go back up to heaven. He's going to be enthroned as king. And as king, he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. That's what he's been talking about in this passage. And he's saying that when he goes, he's going to give his disciples a parting gift. And that gift is his peace. This peace is the product of the messianic age that Jesus is bringing into being. The era of the new covenant. Now, of course, people did know a certain level of peace before Jesus died on the cross, of course. But now, with the coming of the new covenant, there is this, this promise of peace to the people of God. And things are going to be better for the Lord's people once Jesus has gone than they were before he left. You know, um, Jesus says in this upper discourse, doesn't he, in this upper room discourse, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Sometimes people say to me, oh, I wish I could have been alive well, I wish I was alive with, you know, when Jesus was alive. Well, actually, you're better off now than the disciples were before Jesus died on the cross. Yes, they had ready access to Jesus when, when they were there physically, but if they weren't in the same room as Jesus, they didn't have any access to him. And yes, okay, Jesus could heal them instantaneously physically, yes, but they didn't have the benefit of knowing about the cross. They didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit living inside them in the way that we do in this age that we're living in. So, um, here are these great events that were just about to happen and which are the basis for this peace. The cross. Jesus died on the cross in the place of of sinners. If you believe in Jesus, all your sins have been placed upon him. He has been judged on your behalf. And your sin 
has been placed upon him in order that his righteousness might be placed upon you. He died on the cross, raised from the dead. What was God saying by raising Jesus from the dead? He was saying that he accepts fully that sacrifice. Paul talks about how he was raised from the dead for our justification, Romans 4, 25. We who believe, we are counted as righteous in God's sight because, uh, because of, what, uh, of the fact that he was raised from the dead. Our, our salvation is guaranteed. And then he ascended up to heaven. God took him back up to heaven. He was, he's been seated at the right hand of God. He's been given all power and all authority. He's been installed as king at the right hand of the Father. And there he is interceding for his saints. And then as king in heaven, he has poured out the Holy Spirit upon his people. And so as a result of these things, uh, we who believe our sins are forgiven, we are justified before God, we have peace with God, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live a new life, we know the love of God in our lives, we are adopted as the children of God, we've been brought into the family of God, the church, we've been given the hope of glory. And these things... Uh, lead to peace for us. If we're forgiven, well, we don't need to feel guilty anymore. If we're loved with, by God, by his everlasting love, we don't need to worry if other people don't love us. Because God loves us. We are complete in Christ. So we don't need to worry about being, quote, successful in our careers. Because we, are, we have a dignity and a status in Christ. Which is far greater than anything that you can get from any worldly success. We are, as we read earlier, we are cared for by our loving Heavenly Father. So we don't need to worry about money and about where the next meal is going to come from. We are vastly rich in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we don't need to worry about, about having a big bank balance because we're rich in Christ, spiritually. We know that our God is reigning over all things for our good, so we don't need to worry about disasters that either have happened in the past or we fear might happen in the future because we know that our lives are in the hands of of a sovereign God. We know that our God will punish the wicked, so we don't need to worry about the wicked seemingly to get away with, with injustice. We know that we shall have glorious new bodies at the resurrection, so we don't need to worry about the fact that we're getting old and weaker and frailer, because soon we have wonderful new bodies. And we know that when we die, we shall be with the Lord. Which is far better. So we don't need to worry about death. And so we see then that, that the death and the resurrection, the ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, these are the foundation for the peace that the Lord gives to us. So Jesus' gift of peace on account of what he has done for us. But then we come secondly to see 
our responsibility <coughs> to appropriate this peace. Let's read again what he says there. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, Jesus has given us his peace, but we need to appropriate that peace. We need to be strong in that peace, because the devil will try to rob us of his peace. He'll try to make us anxious. He'll try to, to make us fearful. A peaceful Christian is a very strong Christian, a very powerful person in, 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 in this world. And the devil wants to stop us from being peaceful. He wants to make us to be people who are fretful, who are anxious, who are stressed. So uh, what can we do then to, uh, to be strong in that peace, to not allow our hearts to be troubled, to, to not let them be afraid? Well, let me suggest to you three things that the scripture says that we can do, can and should do in order to uh, be strong in the peace of God, not to allow our hearts to be troubled, not to let them be Afraid. The first is this. Make sure you're right with God. This peace of God is only for those who repent of their sin and trust in the Lord. There's no peace if you are not right with the Lord, if you're clinging on to sin. Just to just refer you back to Isaiah. And uh, chapter 57. Uh, if we just go to the second half of, uh, of, of verse, 20, verse 19, page seven, three, top of page 734. God says, peace, peace to the far and to the near says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Now, we sometimes, people sometimes sort of make a joke out of it. They say, oh, no peace for the wicked. But it's serious. There is no peace for the wicked. If you're not saved from your sins, there's no peace for you. There will be no peace for you until you get saved. And so I must say, to, I mean, obviously I trust that all of us here are believers, but I, but I can't necessarily assume that. You might have been baptized, you might be a member of a church, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are truly saved. So I ask you, are you really saved? Are you right with God? Have you repented of your sins? And maybe there might be somebody online who's listening to this or will listen in the future. Have you made your peace with God? If you don't make your peace with God, there will be no peace for you. 
But God has provided the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross in the place of sinners. Salvation is available. But you must come to him. You must turn from your sins and you must run to Jesus and plead with him for salvation. Come to him and trust him for yourself that you might know his peace. Now maybe somebody here might say, well I did trust the Lord years ago. I did believe Jesus as my saviour years ago. I did, I did pray a prayer. But the question is, has sin come into your life? Are you hankering after some idol or some, is there some greed in your life? Or maybe some lust or some pride which is, which is eating out your heart? Well, there's not going to be no peace until you repent of that sin. So maybe if you are backsliding, if you've, if you've wandered from Christ, go to him that you might be able to experience his peace. Uh, maybe, for the, maybe for it to be renewed or maybe for the first time you might truly know the peace of the Lord. So the first thing is to, is to get right with God that we might know his peace, that we might appropriate his peace. And then secondly, having got right with the Lord, we need to pray, don't we? We need to pray. Um, let me re refer you to two verses, which I'm sure they'll be very familiar to many of us, but uh, we need to be reminded of these things and we need to practice these things. Philippians 4 and verse 4. The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's this promise here of the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds. But there's a condition. We need to rejoice in the Lord, but also we need to not allow ourselves to be anxious, but instead we need to take those things that we would be anxious about to God in prayer. Tell God about those things that you are anxious about. And Peter says something very similar as well in his first letter, chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, uh, reading from verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So those things that you're tempted to be worried about, Bring them to the Lord. Tell the Lord about those things. Whatever it is, your health, your money, your work situation, your family situation, whatever it is that you're stressed about, whatever you're anxious about, bring it to the Lord. Lay it before him and uh, commit it to him. Uh, you know, that, that hymn we often sing, 
uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. It's so true and so, so right, isn't it? Let me just read a, a verse from that. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Or just before that previous verse. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So important. Take these things to the Lord. Pray to the Lord about these things. So we need to come to Christ for salvation. We need to pray. And thirdly, in order to appropriate the Lord's peace, we need to believe. See, this is what I think Jesus is, saying, is, is, is really saying here. When he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What is it that drives away fear? What is it that drives away anxiety? Answer, faith. We need to exercise faith. We need to believe God's word. We know God's word. I'm sure many of us do. But are we actually believing it? In that moment of stress, are we actually saying, no, I'm not going to allow myself to get anxious because I'm going to believe God. Paul says, doesn't he, in, in, in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. What's going to affect the way you think? What's going to affect the way your outlook? Is it the immediate thing that you can see, the problem, the difficulty, or is it what you know from God's word? And what we need to do is have that mental discipline of saying, okay, what I can see, if I go by what I can see, I'm going to be anxious. But if I go by what I know from God's word, I'm not going to be anxious. So, for example, um, you, you're tempted to feel depressed and miserable because of past failings and sins well I'm going to believe God's word that says that, that, that uh, we who believe are justified by faith or tempted to, to worry about you know, what's going to happen in the, in, in, in the world well I'm going to believe what God's word says that God is sovereign over all things tempted to to worry because we feel unloved and uncherished. Well, I'm going to believe God's word that says that, that he's loved me with an everlasting love. And so all these different things that we're tempted to worry about, we say, no, I'm going to believe the promises of God. I'm not going to allow those, those things to... Uh, to, 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 to cause that anxiety uh, that I might otherwise have. I'm going to believe that God is faithful. I'm going to believe that God is unchangeable. I'm going to believe that God, is, God will provide. I'm going to believe 
in God's wisdom in the way that he organizes my life. I'm going to believe in God's power to change situations. I'm going to believe in the victory that Christ has. I'm going to believe in the glory that awaits me. And as I hold on to these strings and I exercise that faith, then that anxiety will melt away like the snow melts away as the sun comes out. Well, I hope that's helpful for us. The gift of peace that the Lord has given uh, through his death and resurrection, ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the way that we need to appropriate that. We need to appropriate by turning away from sin, trusting Christ for salvation, by bringing everything to God in prayer and by exercising faith on a daily basis so that we don't allow that anxiety to get the upper hand. Well, let's now sing uh, our last hymn, number 769. We trust in you, our shield and our defender.